Well, today, Alexa, we have a very special guest and really yes. her, the things that she's done with, um, with the, her writing business and also for readers in the last several years um, really epitomizes, ironically, what Front Page Pass is about, which is appealing to writers and readers. Yeah, bridging the uh, gap between both worlds. Yeah, mm -hmm. so anyways, um, but um, I, I've worked with De I've worked with Desiree Duffy before. In fact, mm -hmm. she was a publicist for Voices, and um, and and then since then, her business has just taken off into the stratosphere. Absolutely. And right now, we have the we have the privilege of talking with Desiree from France. Um, so she's she's actually um, joining us from France, and we'll, she can tell us more about that later. Well, welcome to the show, Desiree. Thank you, Robert. This is fun. Thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you for joining us. We've certainly been looking forward to it for quite some time. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're yeah. right. It's the perfect convergence, readers, writers. And, and that's the thing. And I think you guys know this, which is exactly why you did this for the show. If you're a reader, eventually you just have to write. That's mm -hmm. where it comes. So symbiotic. Yeah. And also, likewise. Um, and also, likewise, when, when we do these hybrid shows, it, it gives readers a lot of insight into how books are written. Because, <clears throat> you know, even though they may not write, they, they, uh, we all want to know the backstory to some degree about how something came together. <laughs> yeah, so, still, still intrigued by like the background happenings and whatnot. So, well, so yeah. first of all, before we get into Book Fest and all these amazing things that you're doing, um, you have a gnome de plume called Vanta Black. And I hear Vant has been over in France scoping out some <laughs> lately. Yes, yes. My, my nom de plume is Vanta and Black. That's what I write under. My real name is Desiree Duffins. <laughs> kind of did the two different personalities. And um, you might relate to this. You almost do become a different person when you write or different aspects of your personality go into what you're writing. <laughs> So for me, that was a natural way to just kind of split things up. And when I'm Vanta, yeah, I'm a little bit more edgy, a little bit more mm -hmm. hardcore, a little bit whatever. Desiree, she's buttoned up a little bit, rather professional. <laughs> That's perfect. You can be your wild side and your business side at the same time. There you go. That's the way I like it. I try to conduct myself that way. So I appreciate that. So, you know, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm kind of interested to hear a bit about yourself, like as an author. One uh, particular work that interests me, since we're on the topic, was that uh, would be um, Oblia. So, if you could just mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that, I'm kind of interested. Sure. So, let me ask you this: Do you know what an Oblia is? Enlighten mm -hmm. me. <laughs> it it literally means a forgotten little place. So, when mm -hmm. I first heard this concept, you find them in castles, and yes, I'm little cottage right now but I'm literally in Loire Valley which is the land of castles absolutely this is the land of and so and villainry so I've been castle hopping literally but what a, an oubliette is was a pit like a dungeon but very long and narrow where you would throw people to literally forget about them there were awful dreadful places mm -hmm. there was one left castle in Ireland and that's where I first heard about it because they emptied it out in the um, early 1900s, and they took out the bones of over 150 different individuals. Right. And it struck me that each of those people over centuries, because it had been there literally mm -hmm. centuries, had a story, but that story was forgotten. So that mm -hmm. was the inspiration to write Oubliette. It actually has several different stories from different times in history of people who met their demise in the bottom of that Oubliette. Mm -hmm, unfortunately and then there you already kind of somewhat tell their stories and encapsulate on that so um I also uh, dug a little bit up on it and um I know that you traveled into the Paris catacombs I believe I read mm -hmm. that so if you could to kind of get some inspiration for this story so you could talk a little bit about that that uh, whole journey for you oh my goodness I think that was one of the most humbling experiences mm -hmm. of my life um when you face death like that mm -hmm. and for who may not be familiar there's been a lot of movies especially recently about Paris and the catacombs where they're starting to become more well known yes. but it's literally during times of disease during times of cholera mm -hmm. they needed more room in the cemeteries up on top 
So they would empty them and take the bones and put them in the catacombs. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't they just dumped them down there. They literally decorated the walls with them. And there's placards up designating which cemeteries in the years those people are from. So it's done in a very respectful way. And it's being down there, again, it was just so humbling because you're literally looking face to face with somebody who died 200 years ago. And like you said, with all these untold stories as well of these people who passed away, so yeah. So definitely, if anybody comes to Paris, I absolutely recommend Mm -hmm. visiting the homes. There's miles and miles of networks, most of which you cannot access. There's cataphiles. There's people who will go down there on their own and they have their own little thing. And trust me, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in the catacombs. I would imagine. (laughs) I just just edited a book that was set in the catacombs with the French resistance during World War II. Mm -hmm. So I got to see all sorts Uh, of weird things that happened there. Yeah, yeah. That's Uh, a really good point because there were like during the war that they went down there, that's where they hit to hide from the body. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot of graffiti on the walls too, which is just very bizarre to see, you know, people leaving their mark over the centuries. So yeah, it's it's fun. <laughs> I was just thinking the way this conversation has started, we've just we just had our unofficial beginning of Halloween. <laughs> hey, there we go. Maybe that was the intention to begin with. So <laughs> Well, well, yeah, I right, just wanted right, to talk about your journey as an author initially and then yeah. you know, bridge into other things. So, yeah, I yeah, intrigued, because, so I had to <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, Bob. And I, yeah. I wanted to do it that way because one of the things <laughs> I wanted to point out was um, sometimes authors, you know, a lot of times authors don't know anything about marketing and we have to learn, we exactly. have to learn about it from scratch. But also, author, but the other thing is that authors have should have the most innate sense of what their book is about and i i bring this up because um you know you desiree you you started with writing you started by writing um oubliette i believe Mm -hmm. and then and then Mm -hmm. you got into got into what what you formed black chateau enterprises Mm -hmm. but what really interested me and and of course i'm kind of in a no on this because i was there with you at the beginning stages um but when interested about with me you about what interested me about you was that instead of stopping there with being another you know digital marketing publicity company to serve authors Mm -hmm. um two things number one you were coming in from position of in the know from being an author but number two you also had it in your mind to do something that um went outward to the readers as well exactly could you could you you just talk a little bit about that because it seems it seems to make perfect sense and yet it's one of the more unique business models in our publishing industry right now yeah absolutely um and i I do think this industry unlike virtually any other has such a crossover between readers and writers you Mm -hmm. know if if you're a plumber and you hire a plumber you don't next week go to a plumber's convention to see how (laughs) like you just it's but again there's there's something about reading and the magic of storytelling and trust me, I think that there's there's something at the core of storytellers mm-hmm. in us human beings, which is the thing that I believe makes us human, makes us who we are. But to answer your question, so I started Black Chateau as a company that does PR and marketing, a full mm-hmm. PR marketing firm for authors to help them get the word out in various ways, doing a lot of their very traditional things that would happen, getting advanced reviews, press releases, bookings, and stuff like that. Um, and during the course of doing that, one of the things we, we did a lot was native advertising really quick. It's basically advertising articles. You've seen them before. You've probably been on a website and you see like a, a sponsored post or something like that. Right. I found that a really good way to get our authors out there. We do listicles, kind of like the best, 10 best books to bring with you to the beach, best books to buy for the holidays, what mm-hmm. mom wants to read on Thursday, listicle articles. We've seen those. So we needed a consumer-facing platform for that. That's where Books That Make You mm-hmm. was born. So makeyou.com is our consumer-facing platform. It not only has those listicle articles, but then we do contests because doing book giveaways helps authors to build their social media followers, build their email lists, 
We put content out there. The website itself is getting tons of traffic, thousands per day. So that became our consumer-facing brand, fed by our authors. And then the next thing I know, I had other authors, other publicists coming to me. I started doing my own podcast too. And then other authors were coming to me. So really, kind of to your point, Robert, really just melded together. Then COVID hit. Yes. And we were getting ready to be at the Los Angeles Times Festival mm -hmm. of Books. Oh, we yes. have a table there, a double wide authors do in booth <laughs> signings. We do social media, we do press. All of our authors are really excited. And then that wasn't happening. We've done some things. We do, we do jingle books every year, which is an online Facebook party, mm -hmm. which is just it's jingle books. I was like, well, we could at very least do a Facebook party. And then I talked to my website guy. I'm like, are there any out of the box solutions for online mm -hmm. web type things? And at the time, like this was pre, you know, right as the, the pandemic hit, there really wasn't anything. He's like, well, I can build that website. I'm like, can you build that website in six weeks? And he's like, double dog that I can't. And he did. And that's where the book fest was born. Awesome. I went, I went online. I got LABookfest.com for $10.99. And after the first one, and I looked at the traffic and saw people were attending from around the world. And it's like, oh, why LA? I love LA, Los Angeles. I love it. <laughs> but we changed it to the book fest because it has a, a global yeah. audience. And we have two days that we do now. Day one is for readers with the programming panels, conversations, mostly geared at the reader. And then day two is for writers. And that's a little bit more like a traditional writers conference. Right. Panels about editing and what authors can expect and pitching their material. So that's that was the birth of the, the book fest. Well, yeah, because um, I've, I've seen a couple of other online um, platform conferences and festivals that have come up, but this is one of the best this is one of the best ones it's easy to navigate and it's and like you said the diversity that between having the two programs on each day but what's really interesting i'm going to share with our our viewers and our and our listeners is that the seeds of this are actually a few years old um because <laughs> back with the with the la writers conferences uh desiree desiree started prevailing on the the director of the event tony Chidaro. To let her, to let her um, program and and theme different panel discussions. So then you go now you fast forward over to um, Bookfest and it's all these wonderful themes that are just aren't there in normal in writers conferences in general. So could you talk about um, both as writer and as reader some of the thought process you had about coming up with such great themes. I mean, these are great themes that you have. Yeah, it was very innovative. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been programming panels. It comes again mostly mm -hmm. from the PR side of things because in addition to enjoying doing media interviews, mm -hmm. a lot of authors or clients in general, in my experience before starting Black Chateau goes back 20 years. I was president of the Alliance for Women in radio and television, mm -hmm. now known as AWF. We did a lot of programming, partnered with Digital Hollywood, very much in the tech and entertainment segment. So kind of taking a lot of that and even going way, way back, I used to be in broadcasting, I used to work in radio. So mm -hmm. in a way I like to describe some of the events we do with the book fest, they're a little bit more like a show. Mm -hmm. We produce them and polish them just a little bit more. Congratulations to everybody who's adapted and doing online conventions and things, but then you got somebody who freezes and somebody who drops and things like that. So we really make sure that we're polishing these up so that we can curate this content and put it on YouTube so it's always there. It's a combination of creating a live event, but creating something too that we can store and is a resource for readers and writers for many, many years down the road. What has been the uh, participant response in the, um, how, what's the word I want to use? And basically the, you know, the uh, directness or the closeness of the experience 
of the book fest to say a live experience. Uh, were you, have you, I mean, I, I, well, I know you've gotten really good reviews on this, but could you just talk about how you've tried to even, to even lessen the distance between a real experience and a virtual by the way mm -hmm. you're doing the fest? Yeah, that, that, that is the tricky part, right? Because it is online. We just, we lose that face-to-face -face interaction. Mm -hmm. we, we have chat rooms. We use the website. We have an iframe. Basically, it's a frame on the website that's fed through YouTube. So it actually is broadcast on YouTube. But if you go to the website, you can just sit there and watch it. Or you can watch it on YouTube. And YouTube has the chat finality already baked into its platform. So we encourage people to have conversations. We are chatting. Team members are chatting. Um, we encourage the panelists to be in that chat room as well so that if somebody has a question or wants to learn more information, Something. So that chat room experience, along with the panel, kind of sort of replicates what it might be there to be there in, in person. And part of the programming, too, we do live author chats. Um, and these have turned, they kind of evolved. At first, it was a chat room chat. And I was like, that's lame. We need to, we need to <laughs> up the ante a little. <laughs> yeah. So for the Dance next on tables or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, it, it, it's it's the adaptability. Yes. Of it, right. It's like let's you know keep building up. Just just build it. Just do it, and you know tweak it next time. Um, so what those have evolved into is ten minute chats. It's totally live. Mm -hmm. This around we have Scott Ryan and Anastasia Washington that are hosting them. So it's a little bit like a red carpet banter type interview and a little bit like authors doing whatever they want to do. And we actually tell them, do whatever you want to do. You can just talk about your writing, talk about what inspired you. You can do a reading. You can write flash fiction. Mm -hmm. We've had authors make cocktails based on the theme <laughs> of their Interesting. We've had authors read scary stories all dressed up. So, you know, stuff like that is what we do to keep that interactivity. And we're, of course, encouraging people to ask questions and participate and, you know, kind of join the fun along the way. Yeah, that's wonderful. And tell, um, could you tell us, well, first of all, this event is October 23rd, 24th, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, okay, so the book fest is October 23rd, 24th. And can you give us real quickly the info for people to get on and check it out? Mm -hmm. Sure, that's the easiest part, thebookfest.com. That's pretty okay. easy. There you go. And, and watch Straightforward. it. Straightforward. Um, yeah. Um, we almost and, make and it then, so easy, people are confused because they expect to get a code or a thing. Like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. And totally what, what, free. Okay. Yep, totally free to attend. I think Robert froze on us a little bit. I believe there. so. I was just going to say, too, people can sign up for our newsletter alerts, and that keeps mm -hmm. them appraised of who's going to be there. We just sent out the schedule, for example. So, Bookfesters, if you sign up, not only will you get news and updates. That's your I'm, I'm sorry. So, what's there? You are. You're back. Bobby you froze for a second there. We lost you for a moment. Um, so, well, my next question I was about to ask you is, you know, different conferences or festivals or what have you spend, um, they can spend years trying to get really land big authors. Mm -hmm. How did you, how did you get best, how many, how'd you get so many bestsellers and different authors and the breadth of authors that you got for the book fest so quickly? I asked them, um, <laughs> you know, actually the very first one was surprisingly easy. And I think it was because everybody was experiencing lockdown going, what am I doing? Their calendar is clear. Um, Mitch Elbaum was one of our featured speakers for the very first one. Yes. Just happened to know his co-host of his Tuesdays with Maury, or Tuesday People, excuse me, podcast that he does. And so, bingo, that happened. Um, at the time, I was a fangirl, and I'm a fangirl, of Sarah Kenzier, mm -hmm. who a book about you know then Donald Trump and everything and I thought her message was really important I hit her up on Twitter and she wanted Connie Schultz who is a Pulitzer Prize winning, winning writer journalist she now writes for USA Today uh, she's married to the um, represent or senator excuse me Sherrod Brown from Ohio mm -hmm. um, it, it almost felt like that stone soup analogy we just kind of started building it and people came mm -hmm. and 
on a almost a lark, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool at the very end if we got somebody like, oh, I don't know, Danny Trejo to read Goodnight Moon? <laughs> There's like a cute way to close out the book fast. And I thought, what do I got to lose? And I reached out to his manager and he said, yes. So he joined us for the first one. He's like, you want me to do what? <laughs> he had a cookbook out at the time. He now has his memoir out, by the way. Um, he joined us for the next one as well. And then, yeah, it's just a matter of asking people and uh, kind of going back to your point earlier too, Robert, you know, thinking about what topics are relevant today, what's happening mm -hmm. now, um, you know, Black Lives Matter and mm -hmm. women, making sure diversity is represented. Absolutely. Um, what are we teaching our children during COVID? There are so many issues that seemed important to get across. And the one common denominator that you can use for all of that is, is books, because there's a book about it somewhere. Somebody's talking about it. Um, so that, that just kind of made the programming and getting the authors and the participation, you know, fairly easy. Yeah, and I think a lot of that also comes down to uh, your, you know, your expertise and just kind of strategic thinking, you know, that you do have going forward. So I was going to kind of ask, um, you know, how that's that mindset has really helped you um, not only with your personal successes, but with like your ability to anticipate trends and be innovative, you know, how that's been equally important in this business, you know, that take that, for example, or, you know, anything else that you've done. So, yeah, I, I'm big on innovation and, you know, don't skate to where the puck has been, mm -hmm. skate to where the puck is going type mentality. The quote Wayne Gretzky, you mm -hmm. know, I like to dabble. I like to experiment, see if it mm -hmm. works, if it works, keep it. If not, adjust it, go on. We did the first bookish NFTs for the mm -hmm. last request because NFTs are something that's kind of hot and interesting. Um, one of the things we're doing for this book fest that's a little bit different is, and if you guys have been to writers conferences, you know that there's usually some kind of a pitching opportunity. Yes. Conferences have agents there, maybe some acquisitions, editors, publishing decision makers, let's call them. Um, and a lot of times authors can pay or set up times to sit and pitch them their manuscript. And they're usually done in these, in these either these little rooms where they're off to the side or in some kind of a big room and it's not, they, they literally do cattle calls sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so that idea, and I thought, you know, you know that show Shark Tank? What, what if we kind of married that? And again, it goes back to, let's make this a little bit more of a show, mm -hmm. but with all the respect and honor possible for those authors. That's where Brave New Writer came off. Kind of pulling off of the, nice. the Huxley, you know, name. But it, I always felt like the writers are almost treated a little shabbily at some of these things. Mm -hmm. Help stand over. There. Oh, you only got 10 minutes. Help. Well, that's not the way you pitch. What are you doing? You're doing it wrong. Oh, I'm not going to talk to you. There's this real kind of, you know, imbalance, I feel. So with Brave New Writer, what we're doing and what we're doing with the book fest in general is we opened up a pitching room so authors can upload their pitching materials. Once they do that, we give them access to a knowledge base to help them fine tune those materials. A lot of times authors don't know what you're even talking about when you say we need a synopsis. And when they go and pitch and they don't have a synopsis, then they feel like they did something wrong. We want to empower and help yes, them. Yes, absolutely. We're also giving them the opportunity, the, the selected few that are gonna kind of take that stage at Brave New Writer. We're gonna do a, a mini workshop with them, our friends at Roadmap authors, roadmap writers, roadmap authors, same company, they partnered with us to help give them the pitching skills that they need. Because what I hear when I talk to agents again and again is, oh my God, these authors don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to pitch. They don't know how to do a book proposal. They don't know how to write a query letter. And you guys both know, because you're in this industry, mm -hmm. you probably have authors write their book proposals and their query letters and stuff like that. So it's kind of the same thing, but then giving them that opportunity to step on this proverbial, you know, this virtual stage and pitch. And we as, you know, audience members can watch. We did a test run of this. And the feedback I got from the authors and the people who were watching is, oh, wow. Now I <laughs> you mean when they say don't pitch this way we're showing not telling authors how to pitch 
right. helping get ready. So it's that's kind of the combination of ideas there. And then on top of that, um, you know Catherine Sands, right, Robert? Yep. You, you, I adore her. She's amazing. She's like, Desiree, I want to do something called Critiki Bar. I'm like, okay, Catherine, what's Critiki Bar? She's like, <laughs> an agent and an author, they walk into a bar together. I'm like, that's not me. That's always good news if you're the author. Very true. <laughs> I wrote an article one time called Meet Me at the Bar, and it's all about when an agent taps an author on the shoulder at a writer's conference and says, meet me at the bar, that's usually where the deal is going to happen. Or an acquisition editor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Perfect. It, it, that idea of this is a little bit more casual and fun. She's doing it with an author, New York Times bestselling author, uh, David L. Robbins. Um, and what they're going to do is that first page manuscript critiquing. That's what critiquey bar is. And again, if you go to a writer's conference, they're probably some kind of workshop where they're critiquing manuscripts or critiquing first pages. Robert, I know you've done that a bazillion times yourself. So it, it's, it's again, it's that idea of kind of taking this, giving it a little panache. The personalities between David and Catherine alone, I think, is going to you know, have the entertainment value right there. And so those are just a couple of the, the new things that we're doing this time around with uh, the book fest. Wow. So I've got a couple of questions based off that. Uh, first of all, you made a really interesting point about comparing book fest to live book conferences. Um, and also the fact that they pitch on a virtual stage. I really love that because in my experience working with writers and yours as well, obviously, is right. What I've noticed is most most authors don't know how to present themselves publicly. Mm -hmm. They just don't, and 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 that goes for pitching, that goes for talking at signings, you know, presenting yourself and so forth. Um, and well, I guess my question for you is, moving forward, as as authors need to learn how to, you know, just do more and more of their marketing and, and pitch themselves and so forth. In the, in the book conference world, do you see a permanent future where we're going to have a combination of virtual and live? Um, and do you see where it's highly advantageous to the writer to do both or one or the, how do you see all that playing out? I do. I, I, I think your vision is, is right on the money. And I've already attended the OK City Writers Con um, a couple months ago, a month and a half ago. They, you know, they decided to do it live. And even just a couple months ago, there were conferences, writing conferences, all sorts of events that were happening and they got canceled because people Delta variant, et cetera. So they decided to continue to do it. Um, but then they brought in the virtual element. And so authors could still watch. And I was so impressed with the technology, mm -hmm. you know, the way they were able to, to distribute that content. So I that as those hybrid type events as being the wave of the future and the great thing there is you got the best of both worlds because you've got people who can connect and be there live if they have the means and you know they're fully vaccinated etc but if they need to stay home or they don't have the means to fly all the way to OK city or wherever they can attend these conferences from anywhere and that's the neat thing too is there's a lot of writers conferences a lot of very specialized ones depending upon your genre yeah so able to attend maybe that romance writers or the mystery writers conferences that you might not necessarily be close enough to i think that's a great opportunity in the future for writers yes yeah. that is kind of the silver lining in the entire thing as far as the publishing industry is concerned so and yeah. the other the other thing i brought up was was pitching and learning how to pitch learning how to write queries and all that stuff mm -hmm. and yeah we we work with a number of authors and I mean, you and I haven't talked in a while, Desiree, but we agent a little bit now too. And nice. so, um, yeah, so, and it's all about the pitch. And I'll give you a couple examples. We have two authors, both novelists, that we've gotten, you know, we've got 25 major publisher eyeballs on each of their manuscripts now. The reason why is the query letter. First of all, mm -hmm. they both knew how to write them. And secondly, I, you know, I tweaked it and so forth. And then we dialed in the pitch, but, um, I think what you're doing, offering pitch or offering materials and resources is that's absolutely huge. I yes. Mean, thank you on behalf of all authors in the world, because you're right at a writer's conference when we're in the pitch rooms, you know, we're all we all each of us that are on the receiving and acquisition editors, agents, blah, blah, blah. 
um, we all have our own ways of going about things. And some people are more blunt than others in saying, no, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I personally think it's really important to be honest with every writer, you know, if it isn't good mm -hmm. enough, some way of- Very true. You know, find some way of helping them get to good, whether it's take workshops, what have you. But, um, but to that, um, what do you think are the two or three things that are absolutely the most crucial for writers to know when when pitching? Oh, I, I think you covered a lot of it right there. Um, having their pitch materials and being able to deliver mm. the pitch, and and even more specifically, is getting help before you get to that level. Mm -hmm. The great thing about a writer's conference, and again, now it's open up, so there's no excuse to not attend, is you start to really understand what the industry is about by being able to talk to people who are doing it, attending panels and sessions. Um, do you have the right stuff is the name of one of our panels we're doing too. And it is for people who are just beginning thinking about becoming authors. Like these are literally gonna be the things that you should expect today. You're gonna to be asked things like, what's your author platform? Yes. How many followers do you have on Instagram? How big is your email list? How many books? Is this the first book in a series? Oh, it's one book? You know, they're, they're thinking like marketers. That's, that's the key. And what I always want authors to realize is that when you're pitching your book, that beautiful, wonderful story is one thing. Don't get me wrong. But there's 4,000 beautiful, wonderful stories that are released every day. What the publishing industry wants to know, what publishers want is to know that this is the book, first book, five book series, and you've already got the second one written, so it's almost ready to go. Mm -hmm. The other ones are outlined because then they see the marketability of this isn't one product, it's five products. They're going to get behind right. it. You've got five Instagram followers, it's like, well, what's the market for this? What is this author going to do to market this? As opposed to the author who has 5,000 Instagram followers. So just kind of thinking like a marketer, I think is important for authors to do. Because a lot of times they get told these things that they have to do, but they don't understand the why. I, I have authors come to me all the time. Well, they want me to do social media. I don't want to do social media. Can you do media for me? And I'm like, what they really want to know is, do you have an, an audience? And I can build an audience for you, but are you going to engage that audience? Exactly. Happen when your book comes out and you now have to tweet about it, you know? So understanding why I think is so important for authors nowadays. And then yeah. I'm just going to underscore what you said. You asked for two or three things, you know, just, just making sure that you're working with people that can help you. Um, you know, whether it's an editor or um, beta readers, somebody, a content editor, oh my gosh, content and developmental editors are the very first type of editor that you need to talk to as an author. Don't let anybody tell you that they're going to go straight to copy editing for you because I see so many stories that need to be fleshed out or they need something. And again, you have those authors that feel they're supposed to be doing this alone. They haven't been to those writers' conferences to kind of know what they're supposed to do. So I'll, I'll, I'll have authors come to me ready to promote their book, ready to publish it. They want me to help self-publish it. And I'm like, well, yeah, it doesn't have any typos, but it also doesn't have the, the great character development that you probably should have for this YA novel. So that, I think, is probably one of the, the other most important things, too, is just making sure you get your network and the right people to help you at the right times. Well, anyways, um, you know, concerning that, um, I was going to ask you to kind of delve into the importance of, uh, for authors, cohesive branding, design, messaging, so forth, that an author really needs to implement nowadays. Because like you said, um, you know, it's just been a bit, a little bit of a transition um, over the years as far as what authors do need to focus on. They need to kind of be in that marketing um, mindset, so to speak. So if you could kind of discuss the, the importance of that and, you know, to a lot of authors that don't necessarily understand that, you know, why that is of equal importance now as having a good story. Yeah, yeah, it ties back into that author platform and branding. Yes. Branding to me is very just, it's foundational. It's the first yes. thing you do. And then the very first thing you do is figure out what who your audience is, because that ties into what your brand message and what your brand exactly. So I see it all the time. Oh, I'm a YA author. Oh, what which YA authors do you read? I don't read YA. 
Oh my God. <laughs> I just arrived. What kind of, what kind of, what kind of groups we're, are you in? We're laughing, what, we're laughing, but it's really not funny. It, it, you know, it's true. Hey, I've and been I, there before, so I can, I can, I can laugh because, you know, I've done that before years and years ago and experienced me. So, <laughs> well, you were YA at the time. You were like 15. Very true. Very true. So, yeah, it's also nice to see you talk about um, the the innovation, like the new resources for authors, because, uh, you know, I've been in the hot seat before, you know, pitching my book to agents at a very young age and, you know, somewhat inexperienced until um, Bob started mentoring me. So, you know, I, I think about the, th the things that you have um, that you guys do now. And, you know, if I had had that um, and a lot of authors can say the same, you know, having having that and that kind of knowledge back then would have really been helpful. So I think that's a uh, that's great yeah yeah so yeah and i think that's the core of branding right is knowing right. your audience and what brand are you going to represent to them and it influences your website your instagram what social media you're even on if you are ya you should be on instagram and you should be on booktop you should be on tiktok and you should be hashtagging the heck out of booktop um, so there's just, you know, you kind of make sure that your brand is matching your target audience and that you're there for them. Cause that's, that's the, the, the sweet yes. that, that authors, I think sometimes miss. Yeah. Um, and getting, getting back to Bookfest for a second and some of your panels on the reading side, could you, could you share with us a few of the panels on the, on the reader's day for Bookfest? Cause like I said earlier, the the themes I saw are just really magnificent. And I just wanted you to share a few of them. Oh, sure. So um, on the Reader's Day, we plucked out several genres that we wanted to cover this time. And I, I mentioned children before. I really think that reading to children, educating our children is so important right now. So one of our very first conversations is with Mark Kennedy Schreiber. Um, he wrote a children's book called 10 Hidden Heroes. And it's about finding the everyday heroes in our lives. It's an amazing book. He's also the founder of the Save the Children's Network. He has done so much as a legislator um, as well. He, you know, he wrote a book about his father and Pope Francis. And his whole message underneath is about giving service. So that's what that conversation is going to be about. And from there, we're going to fall into the next panel, which is about kid lit, children's literature. And we have several authors actually from around the world. We have an author who will be joining us from South Korea. We have somebody from Germany. We have several authors from the United States. So that's going to be fun. We wanted to touch on the season. You know, it's scary book reading time, like you said, it's Halloween. So we have a, a, a panel that combines some of those scary, more suspenseful genres, mystery, thrillers, and horrors. You know, those types of books and reading those types of books, especially this time of year, are just so delicious. So we have several authors representing those different genres. And a lot of times there's crossover with those genres too. Um, and then we have fantasy. We have, we're talking about, you know, fantasy and mythology on a panel discussion. And from there, we're gonna go into a conversation. Conversations are one-on-ones, by the way, with Helen Wecker. She is the author of The Gollum and the Genie. And she has in her follow-up novel too. It was, it was just a breakthrough novel. And she does such a fabulous job of mashing up the genres. She's got fantasy in there. It's kind of like an urban fantasy, horror, gothic romance. So we have that conversation with her. So that's that's pretty much the programming on day one for readers. And then, like I mentioned before, we go into those live author chats after that, where we have several of the authors that you've seen during the day join us and other authors too. And they're going to be doing all sorts of fun stuff. How fun. That's going to be really nice. Um, so let's see. So how, how much longer, how, uh, what other castles are you going to see while you're in France? Uh, what castles I, I just I can spend all day in all the castles um, we went to Shannon so um, which is my favorite castle um, we went to Villandry where I was blown away by the the sweeping gardens we went to this little castle I got a thing right here um, it's actually a castle I found out there's a difference between a castle and a chateau um, Chateau de Montbron, 
which is an English castle. And apparently it's where Richard the Lionheart drew his last breath. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go visit there. And if you guys have ever played Dungeons and Dragons and you know how like the team always go, goes and hangs out at this tavern or this inn, there's yes. a tavern across the street from it where the fireplace was from the 11th century. Wow. It was this moaning, groaning, charred hole and this tavern was just so ancient and you just felt like you walked into a medieval tavern while mm. traveling along the road. Absolutely magical. Um, so yeah, those are just a few of the places I've been so far. And we're gonna, I wanna go to Amboa Castle again. Leonardo da Vinci is buried there. Mm. We go to Close Lucet. That is the estate or the house that he lived during the last three years of his life. And the gardens there again, just so beautiful. And they have replicas of so many of his inventions from the, the tank that he made to the um, different you know, war devices and the Arch- Archimedes wheel that helps bring water up to Very the surface. Fascinating. Just amazing. But you know, one of the cool things, I didn't even know it was here, we stumbled across it because we, we wanted to go see Notre Dame, even though you can't get in mm-hmm. the fire, so doing the reconstruction. So we did our photo out in front of it. And then off to the side, they had this little exhibit. I'm like, what's that? What's underground? They have this exhibit underground that you can go through. And this is, this is just so French. They kind of made this bizarre mashup. It's partially the streets and roads and stairs from when it was an ancient Roman place. And you used to go mm. So you're looking at the, the roads, the uncovered, the baths, they had Roman baths the actual stones that were, you know, just centuries and centuries old. And then on the flip side of this little tour is an homage to the Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> and reading, you know, Victor Hugo, mm-hmm. you're walking around Paris, Victor Hugo's everywhere. And, you know, just realizing this is going to tie into books and storytellers. When he wrote that, Notre Dame wasn't a famous place. Like, actually after the French Revolution and with that gaudy Gothic architecture, the French were not into it. They had no desire to restore that or save that place, mm-hmm. just like so many churches. But it was that book, that imaginative book of fiction, you know, Quasimodo and Esmeralda, that almost inspired the French people to want to preserve Notre Dame. That's why we have Notre Dame today. And that's actually why so many French places were preserved. It kind of gave a new perspective to people. And I just thought that was really an inspiration to any writer. If you're wondering, well, is my, is my book gonna matter? Is it gonna help? Does fiction, does storytelling help move people or make any changes in the world? And I think that's an excellent example of how, yeah, it can. Mm-hmm. you think you'll come away from this trip wanting to write any more books yourself well i would be lying to you if i didn't say i've been doing some writing while i'm here oh okay so, <laughs> no spoilers we'll just leave it at that looking forward to it though <laughs> yeah that's i i mean i can i can relate to to desiree's struggles writing because the one mm-hmm. and only time that i even i even block out time anymore to write new material is nanowrimo so november mm-hmm. yeah Every time I do that, I write a first draft of a book. I mean, I get most of it done in that month, um, but that's it. You know, I just, you know, I mean, just when you get busy, you just can't write. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um, so tell us, so you started Black Chateau This started all of this um, almost five years ago now, or maybe it's been five years. Um, and how, how has that evolved from what you originally started? Oh, it's grown by leaps and bounds. You know, at first I thought, okay, I'll run this almost as an independent contractor. I was a sole proprietorship. Um, I can do full service PR and marketing. And I was only a couple of months into it when I realized I was, I was getting clients, I was getting calls, I was getting, you know, people needing help. Mm-hmm. And brought in Brie, my daughter, actually, to help. Um, interesting story there. She was just two months away from her wedding. I was like, I'm not hiring my daughter, who's a bridezilla at this moment in time, Uh-oh. to help my company, because that's like a lot of eggs in one basket, you know? My husband, to his credit, Dave, is like, 
you got nothing to lose. Hire her for a couple of months. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And she's been with me ever since and just has turned it almost instantly into a family type of business. So yeah, yeah. we have team members now all over the world helping and it's just it's growing and growing. Was the uh, was that entire process smooth for you, or would you say um, a bit of a challenge? You overcome any obstacles um, as far as that's concerned, Black Chateau? Obstacles as far as yeah, from the business right. aspect of it, and just launching it in, in today's industry, I suppose. Um, I think there's always challenges launching right. a business. Um, you, you know, it, it's it's something that I almost feel a little guilty about. But when lockdown happened, actually, mm-hmm. I started getting even more calls mm-hmm. because it gave those authors who had been putting off writing, not able to find the time, the time. And so, you know, I know there's some challenges within the industry right now, but I think if you're agile and you mm-hmm. can pivot and try to find a way to turn a bad thing into a good thing, there's always those opportunities. You know, rather, I could have sat there like so many other PR firms mm-hmm. and said, oh, COVID, can't do anything, not going to be at the LA Times Festival of Books, but instead I look for an opportunity. So, um, you know, and I, I think that even like we were talking about before, there's opportunities when you can start doing online events and when we can connect in new ways. So I just, I like to always look at things as, as I'm a glass half full type person. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, that happened with us too. We took off when mm-hmm. the pandemic hit um, for the exact same reason. People that haven't have been talking about writing books for 20 years suddenly could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're able to kind of hone their craft as well. Yeah, but a big thing for you, Desiree, uh, which had to have been a competitive advantage, was your digital marketing background. I mean, yes. you're like perfectly suited to make that shift over into a virtual world. Um, and uh, I guess my question to you, Prior to the pandemic hitting, had you been thinking about doing anything virtually as far as conference online or anything like that? Nope. Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) Never crossed my mind. Um, Again, we do Jingle Books, which was an online Facebook party. Mm -hmm. Um, I always like doing online type events, but nothing of that magnitude. Um, And it's almost because the industry wouldn't have accepted it. there's so many times where even even just scheduling a call with somebody i mean we were using zoom before anybody knew that zoom was a thing right and i, I would often say hey do you want to just zoom what you, you want do me to what? do what <laughs> and now and now our grandparents are zooming right it, it's true so everybody kind of caught up it was actually just opened up so many opportunities even in the pr world mm-hmm. oh it's not a matter of driving to the station to get the person in front of the you know the microphone there and setting all the logistics and everything it's okay your client can you turn on zoom okay do it at this time and this podcast or this radio show or tv show is going to talk to you so in a way the technology and the fact that people suddenly became accustomed to using it was a real advantage Mm -hmm. yeah well, it's hard to believe, but we're just about out of time here. Um, so once again, I want to let everyone know that the, that the Book Fest is going to be on October 23rd and 24th. The website is thebookfest.com. And, and then the websites for Desiree's other two, uh, for, for Black Chateau, Enterpri- it's blackchateauenterprises.com and then also booksthatmakeyou.com. So um, Desiree, we're really looking forward to seeing the book fest and it's been an absolute joy to have you on the show. And, and I'm really glad we got to talk about Vanta as well as Desiree. That made it very (laughs) Both aspects. Yes, definitely. It was a joy. My pleasure, guys. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate both of you having me on. This has been a really good time and thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us from France. That was really nice. Well, that was some that was some conversation with Desiree. Absolutely, I enjoyed it. Certainly, yeah, I mean, it's a great guest uh, to have from, on. From crawling around castles and uh, you know, and the catacombs in Paris to talking about book fest, it was we covered a lot of ground. It was uh, quite a variety. I have to say, a very multifaceted guest. So we'll have to have her back on. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and this is a this is a very special month for Word Journeys, and mm -hmm. so we're going to have a number of shows related to it. Plus, being that you, Alexa, as well as our producer Trevor, are big Halloween and paranormal fans, we got a couple of creepy shows planned as well. Yes, we do, um, and looking forward to it. <laughs> so we're we're looking forward to having uh, we're looking forward to having uh, best-selling horror writer Mike Robinson on mm -hmm. at the end of the month. Um, I've known Mike for a long time in the LA writing circles, and he's he's a fabulous horror book writer and horror author, and so he'll be on right near Halloween. Um, but then before that, we're going to have our special 25th anniversary show to celebrate 25 years of Word Journeys, which, yes. is, which is this month. And what I think we'll do there is, um, I think we're going to share with, we'll share with everybody some of the favorite stories of the past 25 years, different fun little writing experiences that both Alexa and I have had, and also um, just talk about how much publishing has changed in the last 25 years. Yeah, I kind of discussed the evolution of the, mean, the landscape of it. Yeah, I mean, 25 years ago, there's no streaming, internet was just beginning, so it was email. Amazon was an idea, not a company. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so there's just so much that's changed. And so we'll just kind of do a, we'll just kind of do a retrospective of 25 years. Um, so those are just two of the podcasts coming up and, uh, and then we'll, we've got many more announcements and news planned mm -hmm. for after that. And so. a potential guest that we may have on, um, is Sunny Dean. Um, she has recently with Tora published, uh, the book eaters, which will be out in 2022. So she kind of wrote like a cryptic fantasy, um, type of book. So that's, that would also be a good one, good guest for us to have on in October. So she may be joining us as well. So. Yeah, and my final announcement for today is I would like to announce there's a forthcoming book um, that'll be out early mm -hmm. later. It'll, actually, it'll be out later this month or the, by the end of the month, and that's Traceless by Paul Brabowski, yes. who's um, who's one of our clients. But Paul is a phenomenally talented and diverse writer. I mean, Traceless is kind of a shocking. It's a shocking novel. It's a thriller. It's just got all the right write things in it um as a just a taut thriller with a real mm -hmm. uh intellectual component to it but then his next book that he's that uh that that he's he's written is called gray's crossing yes starkly different and these this this author he's a he's extremely talented and we've been you know we have the pleasure of working with them on these books and i just wanted to announce them for the first time today so traceless will be up on amazon uh within the week mm -hmm. for for sale and then gray's crossing will be coming out in a few months so anyways that's paul Bobrowski. that's traceless first mm -hmm. and gray's crossing really anticipating it so right and on that note well this has been a fun um this has been a fun podcast today, Alexa, and we'll be back next week. Yep. See you, Bob. <laughs> okay, take care. Have a good day. And bye to everybody.